I'm going to start by introducing us. Uh, hi, you know me as Estrude Sands. Some of you know me by other names, and some of you are calling me other names right now. And uh, this is Cheyenne Lush. She's hi. Lush. And she's going to be my guest today. We're going to do the first in what might become a series of live podcasts from the Velvet. Uh, if not, it'll be all your fault. And today we thought we'd talk about the mask, the persona, uh, the concept of creating something to be and bringing it into a virtual world. And the main reason that we decided to talk about this was because we started having a series of conversations about our own avatars in which I explained to Shy that she looks like a big slut. Okay, that's not exactly how it went down. Estrude and I decided we were going to say something intelligent on the internet and um, proceeded to discuss. Um, we started talking about Avatar appearance, and she made a comment that people talk about me. Which I was shocked to find out, because I assumed that me making the assumption that anyone actually talked about me was just my own ego... Um, playing a bigger role in uh, in the world around me than it needs to. I didn't actually think I was important enough for anyone to talk about me. And she disclosed in a brutally honest manner that people constantly <laughs> teleport in and ask her uh, who the fuck I am I and why constantly. I'm wearing what I'm wearing. Constantly, but it, is, it has happened. Additionally, she disclosed that sometimes she hesitates to go out in public with me because she's afraid that people will pass judgment on her based on what I'm wearing, but she's decided that she gets more cred overall for being caught with an unlikely suspect. Yes, that your eccentricity of being a, a Barbie doll avatar actually makes me more interesting. <laughs> Barbie doll so, is not the word you used, but go ahead. Well, from there, we started talking about how our avatars um, evolved to be the way that they were. And I think that you should go first, Shy, and talk about why your avatar looks the way that it does. Are we talking about how she came to look this way or, or how I came here? Both. Okay. Um... I came to SL a, um, I was working for a really big outfit and I wasn't really happy. Uh, and I kept getting emails that I thought were porno spam from someone named Callista and I was deleting them. And then I got a text from a good friend of mine who I went to graduate school with and she asked me if I had gotten her emails regarding Second Life. And I, I you know, what the fuck are you talking about? So I said, I'll call you later. And I called her and um, she said, you know, there's this great game. You get uh, your doll and you can dress her and make her however you want. And she, you know, she knew I was a huge Barbie collector. And um, she was like, you know, we have a beach property and I have a pet dolphin. And when I heard pet dolphin, I was freaking sold. Um, and she told me that her, you know, she was a stripper in Second Life. And I was like, right on. Um, and this is someone who's really, really intelligent and um, well accomplished in a real life. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll think about it. And a week later I made Cheyenne. Um, and um, I, all I thought I, when I came here, 
I just thought that that's all people did, that it was Barbies, that that's what it was. It was like a grown-up, it was a grown-up Barbie option. And, um, the, you know, the thought that there were other things going on here beyond playing dress up with my doll, you know, like intellectual conversations, music, art, any of that stuff had never, ever, ever crossed my mind. It didn't cross my mind, um, until I was in SL for a while after that. Um, so that's really all I thought it was. And I, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to make myself tricked out Barbie doll. So I did. And why, well, now that you've discovered all these other things in Second Life, though, and there's a whole other aspect to it, why did you keep that shape? Um, there are a variety of reasons, I think, that I've chosen to keep the Avatar um, as much like she was originally made. I came here, and the first thing I made was her shape. It's gone through some minor revisions over time, but nothing that substantially changes the way she looked from when she first came here. And I remember when I remember making the shape that it was like, you know, it was my, my was putzing around on freebie land when I first got here. And um, I remember making the shape and I remember feeling a huge, like when I made it, I was like, Oh, I made that. And I was very, you know, happy with myself and thought that that was wonderful that I had made this. And it was very excellent. And I felt, you know, I felt a strong sense of ownership over it. I think the primary reason that I kept the avatar once I had an idea that there was much more going on here than Barbies was because by the time I had figured that out, I was already pretty attached to the, um, to the avatar. Yeah, I understand what you mean. I felt the same way. Um, I joined Second Life because uh, in my real job, I was put in charge of music programming for a virtual world. And I had never played them before, but one of my friends had been talking about Second Life and kind of making jokes about it, like that she wanted to, um, her first life was so stressful, she wanted to go open a pet store in Second Life just to be able to relax. And so I when I had to start working in a virtual world anyway, I decided to come here and see what music people listen to and what they actually did in Second Life uh, so I could figure out what to do at work. And the first avatar I made looked nothing like me, um, you know, newbie skin and nothing like, none of the features or hair color or anything were like my real person. Um, but then she became more and more inspired by like, I, I, I go through phases. <laughs> so there was a whole phase where my avatar looked like cat power. And there was a whole phase where, you know, she wore a certain type of clothes or was a hippie or whatever. And right now I'm going through a Liz Lemon phase. Um, <laughs> but I've never felt like I want, wanted a sexualized avatar. Um, I just never wanted people to look at my cartoon and be like, yeah, that's hot. I want to do that cartoon. <laughs> the main thing that we want to talk about to get started, though, and understanding this is the idea of the persona. And if you don't know, this is where I nerd out a little bit. If you don't know, the persona is actually an Italian word that's taken from the Latin for mask. And it's just 
um, the mask you put on, the role that you pretend to play. And that is something we think everybody does in virtual worlds, for sure. Uh, you're all pretending to be some either yourself, like me, an amplified, amplified version of yourself, or someone else entirely. Maybe you're a furry and that's your thing. Maybe you're a child avatar. Maybe you're a Barbie doll. Um, but what you need to understand is that this all came from Carl Jung's idea. Um, he was a Swiss psychiatrist who was in the same time frame as Freud. And so you know the whole Freudian ideas of id, ego, and superego. But um, Jung had his own uh, archetypes. And they were the ego, the personal unconscious, and the collective unconscious. And so in those archetypes, he has, you know, all these different personalities that you present to the world, the self, the shadow, the anima, uh, and the persona. And the persona is supposed to be your outward face. Like if you were talking about astrology, it would be your sun sign, the thing that everyone sees about you. Um, but it's a mask, just the same. It's something that it's the face you put on for everyone else. And obviously it's really easy to create the face you put on in Second Life. Um, literally, you can make it whatever face you want. And so when Shai and I were talking about this, I found it really interesting when she told me that a lot of her real life friends, she sends pictures of her avatar to them, and they all think it is very much like her, even though it looks nothing like her, that it really captures your personality. I have, um, there are some people in my real life that I have um, shown Cheyenne, and some people who know me extraordinarily well here, who I have shared um, a great deal of the real me with, including, you know, pictures and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the response is, that's so you. And I'm never really sure how they arrive at that conclusion, but the people who know me best seem to think that about my avatar. Um, I think there are a variety of reasons why I chose the mask I wear over time, even knowing that... I would be marginalized as kind of a bimbo Barbie. Among those reasons, um, I think I, I have really, really strong ideas about how um, highly sexualized women in our culture are treated, and particularly women who are, in fact, sex workers. I think there's a huge hypocrisy in our society that, um, you know, we all want to see sexy women and there's tons of evidence to suggest that if you're better looking and you're thinner and you're, you know, you have a certain hair color or, you know, whatever, that you're going to do better in everything and that people will treat you differently. But on the reverse end of that, there's, it's like you can go too far. And if you are engaged in, like, sex work, it's, you're hugely marginalized in society. And I have really strong feelings about the way women who engage in that kind of work are treated. And I think that um, part of the statement I make with this avatar is, it's your problem if you look at me and assume that I'm stupid. It's your problem if you look at me and assume that I'm sexually loose. 
it's your problem if you look at me and dismiss me because you think that it's not okay to do or look, to do whatever it is that I do or look the way that I look, um, even in 3D. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, um, in my mind, everybody is a whore for something. I've worked for some very illustrious whores, corporate whores, and people who, you know, who sell their lives and a lot of their conscience for money. And in my mind, a lot of times, um, I mean, I take the position that it's more admirable to sell your body outright than it is to sell your mind and soul for money or, or many other things that people are bought and sold for. But I feel like there's this hypocrisy that it's okay to sell yourself for some things and not for other things. And women in particular are very quick to dismiss women who are involved in sex work or who are overtly sexual and call them streetwalkers and whores and hoes and sluts and everything else. And I think that Cheyenne very much became a foil for many things that I am in fact not um, and that nobody would ever mistake me for. And I mean, in my real life, no one, I think that it's, it's pretty common for me to be mistaken as stupid in my profession because I'm a woman, but, um, and, and also young, but, um, but certainly not the level that it happens here. And I think that's an interesting phenomenon. Um, I also feel that my avatar looks really different from a lot of people. And that's evident in particularly her face. I've had a lot of people who have photographed this avatar be able to, you know, pick it out of the lineup or other kind of like mass photo thing like Flickr with no other kind of identifying data other than seeing the avatar. And I very much liked that my avatar looked different enough from other avatars that it was distinguishable in that way. So I think that that kind of attention whoring or, um, you know, like behavior was, was, is, is, was also part of, um, was also part of my decision to keep this avatar. So, um, I think those are some of the important reasons that I decided to, to stick with this avatar. Um, I, it's almost, I think in a lot of ways, daring people to judge me and judge me incorrectly. And, uh, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy it when people have made that judgment and I get an opportunity to say, you know what, you're wrong. I am, I am all these things that you assumed I was not. So when that first, was a lot. When we first met and I told you this, um, I immediately thought, uh, this person is dramatic and needy and kind of an attention whore probably based entirely on what you looked and not anything to do with what you had said. And, uh, then I found out after we started talking and became friends that you were this really smart, interesting person, but there's always that chance. I think with the way you present yourself that people won't take the time to get to know. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I think, and I think part of me hoped that it would be different 
in a virtual world, like a world of our imagination where anything's possible, that people would, in a lot of ways, let go of the of the way that you judge people based on appearance. Because, I mean, I can look like anything I want to. I can look like an ironic hipster. I can look like a Pegasus. I can look like a tiny panda. I can look like a black man. I can look, you know, I can look, uh, you know, I could look like you if I wanted to. And I think because I felt, because I knew that and felt that that was possible here, that because of that fact, people would let go to some degree of of the habit of looking at people and saying this is what i believe that person is based on you know these these things that would normally clue me in but i found over time that you know in a lot of ways i think it's i think it's more harsh here than it is even in the real world because if you think about the virtual world and, uh, that we live in and, and play in, that it's so easy to dismiss someone here. You don't have to acknowledge anyone's existence when they walk into a room if you don't want to. You can mute someone um, and make them, you know, virtually invisible and not hear anything that comes from their mouths. You can choose very, very easily to disregard everything they say without the same kind of social consequences you would face in the real world for acting that way. And so I think that the rejection here in a lot of ways that people experience because of their avatar appearance is much more final, much harsher, and much quicker than it might otherwise be. And um, I don't disagree. And what you're saying has a lot to do with my why my avatar looks the way it does. Very plain Jane. Um, so that nobody can cam me and think anything other than that avatar looks just fine, <laughs> you know, like there's no judgment to make really. So then you have to listen to me talk to find out that I'm an asshole. Um, I mean, I still think that's pretty, I think that's pretty interesting to say about, you know, human interaction here and the social dynamic that you're judged you're judged much more harshly here, I feel like, because you can choose to look that way. And people feel like because you have made the choice to look this way, that, you know, you can easily be dismissed without without any kind of consequence. And people don't even think twice about it and the chance that you'll ever get to run into that person again and have that conversation is much, much slimmer here. So I do think that there's a lot of finality to it. And um, I think it's much more severe. But a lot, another interesting thing is, um, is I find the way that um, people interact with me based on where I'm at is also very different. I feel like um, if I'm in a place like Bukaki Bliss, it's totally okay to talk to me. And you're totally about it. If um, it's a place like the Velvet, you know, you get more cred for calling me a slut when I show up in general chat than you do for anything else, and it becomes not okay to talk to me. And I think play- that dynamic playing out here, <laughs> I believe that dynamic playing out here is um, is is also very interesting. But to answer your question, yeah, I definitely think there are a lot of really heavy social costs associated with choosing an avatar 
that doesn't look like everyone else's. I don't think that, you know, and I, I don't think that I, I, I think that if I was a prolific builder, I probably wouldn't be acknowledged the same way that people who um, have, you know, very normal, very acceptable avatars are, you know, acclaimed and judged. I, I mean, I think it extends to every part of your life here the same way it does in your real life. If you are a handsome debonair, you know, man that exudes, you know, some kind of self-confidence and, and doesn't remotely rely on anything like that. So I think, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it happens. And, and that's, those are the costs I've experienced with choosing this avatar. Yeah, it's true. And I was also super interested in you talking about, um, girls ganging up on you because of your sexualized avatar. Um, like I said, I think, I think that when I appear somewhere that a lot of guys generally take, I find tend to take the safest route, which is, which is acting like I'm not there at all. Um, particularly in a place like this, like the Velvet, or some other kind of very popular mainstream place where you might care what the other people in the room actually think. Um, I've found that women, a lot of women in certain situations and certain places, are almost waiting for an in to argue with me or to make a scene or to... Um, gang up and have me, you know, ousted in a lot of ways from whatever situation it is. I was telling a shrewd um, the other day that I have a good friend whose second life includes the kind of drama that would easily, easily uh, be the equivalent of me touching the sun and burning me out permanently on second life. And he's continually surrounded by a flock of very desperate and emotionally damaged women who vie for his attention. And, um, and I'd gone over to visit him because he needed help with building something he was working on on his land. And, um, I came in and I, um, and I started talking to him about whatever it was that he needed help with this water feature and um, immediately, one of the girls starts talking shit about my boots or something. And if you know me, you know that I'm pretty um, insane about prim feet and shoes. So I was not going to be one to let that comment lie. And um, I immediately um, said something shitty to her. And all of a sudden... Five of her friends that I didn't even know were there start, I mean, they were, they started just railing on me and they were so quick to call me a whore and a streetwalker, say that I looked like a skeezer and all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, they wanted, like, they wanted me ejected from the land. They were up in my IM. It was, it was ridiculous. And I had only been there for, you know, I've been there for less than five minutes at this point. Um, and I've noticed it in other areas, too, that are popular social networking sites. For Second Lifers, you know, if you, it's, it's very common to see comments on Plurk and other social networkers that are social networking sites that comment, you know, when there's when there's something done by a woman that, that others don't approve of, it's 
you commonly see streetwalker whore. She looks like, you know, she looks like a slut or whatever it is that, I mean, I feel like it's the most common weapon used by women against other women. The notion that there are women who do gain attention from their sexuality that is in some way threatening. And so there's a very concerted effort by women who have, you know, desexualized images to kind of beat that back into submission. And I took a really different tack than you, I think, in making my avatar. Um, My original avatar was much thinner, like much more in line with what you see around Second Life. And at some point, I um, created a black avatar, and I had to remake the body completely because just with the skin and everything, the shape that I had looked wrong. It looked very like a privileged white girl in black skin. It was wrong. And so when I was done doing that, after I was Black Avatar, by the way, nobody talked to me anymore. Like um, before that, people would hit on me all the time randomly. And I never got any IMs from strangers when I was Black. And when I switched back to a regular, my regular skin, I decided to keep this shape because it had started to feel right. Um, it started to feel better to wear it. And I've been tweaking it ever since, like making the boobs saggier, all kinds of things to make it more realistic. But I've found as I get more realistic looking, um, I am less inclined to dress sexy. And I think a lot of things look too sexy and I don't like it. Like I don't want my avatar to be sexy and I grow more and more averse to it the more real she becomes to me. And I don't know why that is. I think it's a little weird, maybe, because this is supposed to be an escapist world. There's no reason I shouldn't just do whatever I want to. But Well, I don't think it is incredibly escapist for you, though, because you're here because of your real job and your real-life section of your profile that identifies who you are and the kind of work that you do. And you're comfortable. You want people to know that part of you and associate it with your avatar. So I don't think that... I don't think that for you, I think that, you know, your avatar for you is very much in the image of you. And I think it's funny because, you know, you're, you're kind of a little sex pot in real life. Like you're, you know, like you bring all the boys to the yard in your real life. That's not true. (laughs) Um, well, you're certainly not, you know, you're certainly not hurting for attention in that department at all. Um, and I feel like in a lot of ways you, you are much more, inclined to be sexy in your real life than you are in your second life. I mean, I, I, that's something I think that is true about you. That's probably true. And I think with, when you give up a degree of anonymity, um, in second life, then you give up, you know, certain behaviors. Like I can't, when I'm online anywhere and I'm not in the velvet people, I am me to ask where I am and why I'm not there. So I can't (laughs) go to free sex sims and torture, um, no strange men. It's just not in the, the realm of possibility for me anymore because of the commitments I've made. And that's okay. Cause I really just want to be on second life to listen to music anyway, to be honest, that's what I want to do. So in this segment of our podcast, we wanted to talk about the narcissism of creating an avatar and um, either in your own image or just to fit into other groups. 
And something that I'm always fascinated by are um, outsider avatars, like furries and kid avatars, people that have whole communities where they role play this idea. Um, and I feel like I, I love that. I love the idea of suspending disbelief and everybody agrees to participate in um, a world where they're something that they obviously, obviously are not in real life. But I feel like to a degree, uh, we do that within our own little circle as well, that the velvet is role play. We role play as hipsters and there's a tacit agreement that we'll all dress a certain way and know about certain music. And uh, if you don't, or if someone new shows up who doesn't, they are summarily judged and either, you know, taken in and given a makeover or uh, rejected. No, I mean, not only by me. I feel like everybody does this. Like, we all try to make over new people if we like them. We tell them where to go and where to get things to look more like us or what, you know, body shape they should be wearing. I think that's extremely true. And we've had a number of discussions about the fact that there are people who are, quote, posers hanging out um, in the indie rock scene in SL perpetrating like they have a lot of musical knowledge and um, a degree of cool that they do not in fact possess and it is very much out of their character to dress in ironic hipster fashion and um, hang out in these kinds of places and align themselves with um, people in this scene for lack of a better word. And um, nobody ever calls them out on it. As much as you complain to me about people showing up who are not as genuine as you perhaps think that they should be to be accepted in this scene, there's never any, it, it's, there's, it's a, there's a silent agreement to um, not call them to the mat because they are, uh, coming here and dressing like you dress and listening to the kind of music that you listen to and uh, making that effort to fit into this social group. So, um, so they're not dismissed. Whereas someone like me comes in and everybody is going, who the fuck is this and why is she dressed this way and what exactly is going on and what is her problem? Um, and I think, I think that's, I think that's funny. I think that's funny that there are conversations had about the lack of authentic authenticity of certain people who who frequent these places and um and 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 there's they're never called to the mat it's very much a, a private discussion about that i think that. it's interesting though when they are called to the mat um like for example somebody new will show up and lolo will be here in her spider avatar and i'm i've had to defend her before people will be like oh my god gross it's a spider who is this person what are they doing and you have to explain, this is someone who's been around and been a spider longer than you've been in Second Life. So, you know, we've all agreed to accept her as that. And I've often thought about, um, you know, becoming a non-human avatar. And it would be completely, first of all, desexualizing, taking it out of the equation completely. There would be no more romantic attachments in Second Life. And second of all, uh, it would be a real challenge. Like, I love the idea of what you do, challenging people with your hypersexualized avatar. 
but I don't want to be hypersexualized. I still just want to challenge people. <laughs> and how much of that decision involves you being rejected by the group of people that you choose to align yourself with? Uh, to a certain degree it does. Like, I don't know. I feel like the amount of explanation I'd have to give if I were to do that over and over again to people and then how much they would make fun of me for it makes me not want to do it. It's easier to just, you know, wear my thermal shirt and put on some Buddy Holly glasses. And ironically, well, maybe not ironically at all. It's probably par for the course. The avatars or the people that I get that I'm closest to in Second Life are more often than not the kind of people that you talk about. They're people who, you know, are are amazing creators that are um you know they they choose to dress as a furry black dog or um or something something equally unreal um those are the people who i often find that i have the closest relationships to in second life and there's it seems that it's interesting because i can go into a furry community of germans who don't even, you know, I, I can barely even speak to them because I don't speak their language. And I can be, I am much more readily accepted in those kinds of groups. And people don't ask the kinds of questions about my avatar that they do in a setting like this. But I think um, one of the most interesting things I think that's come out of this this discussion so far and something I'd like to talk about further is... Um, is and I think this relates back to what I was saying earlier about the judgment in Second Life being much more final, much quicker, and much more harsh than it would be in real life. Is your in your real life? You're you know I mean you're fairly flirtatious with a lot of guys, and I feel like you work your own sexual angle in your real life. Um, you know, to the degree that's comfortable for you, but in Second Life, it seems like there is a concerted effort on your behalf to completely, completely, completely quash any hint that you might be um, sexually available. It seems that it's much more emphasized in your existence here than it is even in your real life. And I think that's pretty instructive about uh, the way people respond to how your avatar appears in Second Life. And I thought maybe you could elaborate a little bit on that and your feelings there. On why I'm a sexless old maid in Second Life? I mean, you know, people people are very quick to judge me. You know, here comes Cheyenne in a hoe dress. But I never think when I see you, oh, here comes a shrewd in a burka. Even though, I mean, I might think that on some level. <laughs> but it, it's like the last thing I think of. I think, oh, that's just a shrewd. Um, but I think... I mean, I, w- I would like you to talk a little bit more about why, over time, you have eliminated the things about yourself that could that could maybe be sexualized. I mean, you are wearing, it's still pretty hot here, and you're not far from me in real life, so I know it's hot there. Um, I'm looking, and not that, you know, not that I often dress to reflect the real weather in Second Life. But um, I feel like given your, you know, real slant on Second Life that you might be inclined to do that. And I'm looking at you and you're wearing something that you'd die of in heat stroke if you were wearing where you live right now. Um, you're, you know, I mean, there's the only flesh showing on you is your hands and your face. 
Um, and yeah, your face is even obscured by glasses. It's true. Um, um, well, a lot of my decision has to do with wanting to be taken seriously. Um, I want to be seen as much more intelligent and uh, formidable, I suppose, than I'm. That's more important to me than you noticing my boobs. Um, and I don't want everyone to hit on me, <laughs> quite frankly. I'm not interested. I'd rather pick a few that I'm interested in and I'll let them know. Uh, maybe it's a bit of a control issue for me. I'd, I'd rather drive it than, you know, have random people hitting on me all the time and have to manage that conversation. I'm not into it. But we've talked about this, Astrid. I don't get hit on hardly at all. And I when I do get hit on, it's that amazing, rude. It's crude it are it is things that you should not say with the same mouth that you kiss your mother um and it's very rare it's very rare and then even then it's the only time it happens is a handful of times in a place where um the tacit understanding is that um you're there for sex even right. if i am not there in fact for sex and no rance has not hit on me rance is very much a gentleman and i have a soft spot for him so no <laughs> Rance has hit on me. He's made it very clear that if I want to have sex, that could totally happen. No, um, I'll, I'll change my avatar for Rance if I can have Rance babies for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't get. I mean, I don't get hit on. So I think that the. I, I think that the. I think that the the the, the statement that you don't rock a, rock an avatar that is even remotely sexual, as in wearing a skirt. Um, you know, the idea is that you don't want to be hit on is, is funny because I don't get hit on. I mean, I know I spend a lot of time on my platform in the sky and there aren't a lot of people hanging out of there, but, um, I don't, I don't get hit on. I come to the velvet and hang out with you. I don't get hit on. Um, and I think, and, and so I think that that's interesting. I'd rather have someone have a crush on my mind than, you know, on what my avatar looks like. It creeps me out a little bit. And some people have told me they uh, think that my real life pictures are more attractive looking than my avatar, which I'm kind of fascinated by as well. Um, first of all, that's not true. My real life pictures are just really, really posed. And <laughs> I look glamour a lot shots. like my avatar. <laughs> yeah, total glamour shots. I've photoshopped them. No. But, um, I think that's, uh, I, I hadn't really thought about it. Like I hadn't examined my own motivations in doing that, but it's kind of true. Um, I don't, I get, I feel like the longer I'm in second life, the more, the closer and closer my avatar gets to how I really look. And the longer I'm in, the less anonymous I am, the more I open I am about what my real life is. And I don't like the idea of people finding the cartoon version of myself attractive. I'd rather them be interested in what I'm saying. Well, for the record, cartoon sex is a little bit uncomfortable. I think for everybody who is remotely intelligent. <laughs> and I think it creeps it creeps anyone who's been here longer than, you know, five minutes out when somebody has sexual fantasies about their cartoon But self. you know how it is, and you remember that feeling whenever you first joined Second Life. It was like this idea of... Um, people's avatars being attractive wasn't as uh, out there or as foreign. And in a, an environment like the Velvet, we get plenty of new people all the time and people that have just joined Second Life. And they have a very different mindset than people that have been here for a long time. <laughs> and I still have to interact with them. 
So it's best to make myself very unapproachable, in my opinion. Because you're afraid that the noobs who come to the Velvet would want to have pixel sex with you? Um, no, because I want them to fear me, most of all. Less the uh, sex, more the fear. See, I don't know. I think all of those things, all of those ideas, it's just... I, when I came to Second Life, I was coming here to freaking get lost and have something that was completely, completely not even remotely like my real life. And there's also, you know, a, a huge part of armchair anthropologist in me. So I love um, seeing the way people react to different things and react to me in kind of a different uh, you know, a different body with an anime face and, you know, this highly sexualized avatar. I mean, for me, it's, it's all very, it's all very comedic and, and, and good fodder for social experimentation. Um, I agree with that. I really like looking at it in a broader sense though, like, uh, what everyone will agree is acceptable behavior in a group and, um, what people will let, what behaviors people will let me get away with, like how bad I can be versus where it's, you know, too far. Where I've and the irony, it. I think, is that in your avatar, you can get away with significantly more See, than I ever thing. could. I feel, I, like, I feel like life. if I talk to people like you talk to people on a pretty regular basis, that they're, I mean, I think, I feel like I would be lynched. I feel like, <laughs> you know, I feel like I would be banned from more sins than I already am banned from. Well, that's where my uh, real life experiences come into play, because the more you're sort of, um, a a cute girl, not a uh, frighteningly attractive person, not someone who, you know, inspires sense of jealousy in other women all the time, but you're just cute. You can get away with a lot. People give you leeway to do a lot and it can be marked up as being adorable to in a certain degree. It's permissible. So in other words, it's cute coming from you and it's, presumably bitchy or some other mm -hmm. pejorative mm -hmm. thing coming from me. From That's someone who's more intimidating looking. Yeah. And you think, and you think this avatar is intimidating because I get told that, on, you know, on a number of occasions that my avatar is somehow scary or intimidating, which I don't at all particularly grasp, but um, well, it's not that it's, uh, for me, it's not intimidating because I know you, but it's more that you're an archetype and that archetype comes with certain baggage, you know, like women in our real lives look the way that your avatar look for a specific purpose. They have an agenda with that look. And presumably my agenda is? Uh, to find a rich older man who's going to die soon and take <laughs> all of his money. You know, to, be, to be in control of the situation, <laughs> to be in control of um, the attention of men and uh, to be a part of the male gaze. Well, if that's my objective, I'm failing miserably. <laughs> um, I'll own that. But no, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because over time, um, well, no, I'll save that for the discussion about the, the profile, the profile information. So in the next uh, little segment we're going to do, we thought we'd talk a little bit about there's a current trend in psychology towards referring to body image as the mask. Um, and the whole idea is that women treat the way they feel about their bodies, like the bad feelings they have about it, 
they wear a mask to pretend that it's okay, that they're cool with being either overweight or hiding their um, eating disorder, eating issues. And I thought it was interesting that the terminology became the mask um, because it's like something that we're supposed to feel badly about, I suppose. And so Shai and I talked about that in Second Life um, and how everybody has kind of a standard body shape. And it's not just women, it's men too. You're, there's pressure to look a certain way, to be a certain height, um, to be a certain size. And the pressure doesn't just come externally. It comes from the designers. Uh, clothes are designed to fit a specific size. And if they don't, you have to edit them and change them. It's really a big pain in the ass. So you're made to feel like you're not normal. And Shai, you were talking about this, even with someone um, with an avatar that, you know, is more sexualized and more a bit more normalized, that you still can't find clothes that fit your avatar because it's... Well, in, I have a lot actually to say about this subject. Interestingly enough, one of the criticisms I hear a lot um, are that, and the word fat is used commonly, that um, Cheyenne, you have fat thighs or mind your own business, you know, I mean, I, I they call me fat pretty often and we talked about this um, because literally on the sliders, there is zero body fat on Cheyenne. And I, my thinking was, you know, if they, if they, this, if they say I have fat thighs and, you know, I'm fat in second life, then a strude must be, you know, cow, a total, you know, a, you know, a total heifer. And I assumed that she had gotten comments, um, suggesting the same, but she said that that had in fact, uh, not been her experience. And ironically, when Cheyenne was born, she was quite a bit heavier. Um, she had a big fat ass and definitely the kind of ass and thighs that would have, you know, cottage cheese on them in real life. Um, and I was constantly told, um, that it was, you know, unacceptable and I had, would have to edit. Um, you know, I, I learned to build, um, and I have a store and, um, I credit my fat ass when I was first in second life with, um, with learning the, in, the interface enough to, um, to be able to build because, um, I, it was, you know, I was have to spend literally, you know, like 30 minutes editing, a prim skirt for it to fit. And even then the fit was pretty dismal. Um, but over time I had managed and, um, I modified the shape a little bit more so I could wear, um, some skirts, but I, I look at, there are so many avatars I see still, um, you know, around, I see, I see avatars all the time and they look so remarkably thin, like to the extent that I want to throw hamburgers at them or tell them to, you know, eat something because they have, um, you know, they, they literally look like little boys. They have no breasts. They have no ass. They have, you know, no, there's no, I mean, they look like they need to be fed. Um, and I think that, I mean, I do think that our body image is hugely played out in second life. The desire to always be, uh, thinner, um, is among those things, but also the way that, 
um, the insult, you know, the fat insult is thrown around in an attempt to completely humiliate someone and get them to feel horrible about themselves. I mean, I think both of those things are really, really prevalent in Second Life. And it's true. I have not really had that experience. I've had a couple of girls, I think, say something, but they were kind of the not people I would take seriously, people that are, like, fishing to be mean. Um, more than anything, whenever I started making my avatar heavier, I actually found that men would IM me more and say things about it, um, nice things. Like, it's nice that you have a realistic body shape or your avatar looks like a real woman, a real person. Um, which was interesting and also a little bit awkward because it really wasn't the kind of attention I was looking for, (laughs) but (laughs) it just is what happened. Um, so yeah, I think it's really, though, it's unhealthy. Like there are so many things like clothes that I can't wear in second life, um, jackets, uh, the kind of jackets that have the attachments on them. I just can't edit those to fit the way that my body looks because it's abnormal to people that design clothes. Um, and the other thing we were going to talk about here is the concept of the literary persona. And the idea is, is what you write in Second Life more important than how your avatar looks? So the literary persona, to give you an example, think of something we probably all know would be Brett Easton Ellis, Less Than Zero and how people um, confused that that was an autobiographical sort of book with his, you know, that he's an entirely different person. He created this persona, though, um, and wrote a fictional story about himself. And I feel like that's what a lot of us do in Second Life. None of us are really just ourselves, I think. We're this amplified version of ourselves. And talking to you, Shai, um, the way you talk is so much different than what I would expect. You're so much smarter than I expected, quite frankly, <laughs> as I've gotten to know you. And I'm so much bitchier than you expected as you've gotten to know me. This conversation is particularly interesting and I feel like it's not, I feel like it would be missing something to not, discuss how we kind of stumbled upon this topic in discussing this subject matter previously. Um, we, we, we talked about, um, what, you know, how our profiles had evolved over time in addition to how our, uh, you know, the, the visual image of our avatar had evolved. And, um, I talked about my experience with Strood. Um, ironically, she, um, she totally gets a number of things about my profile that, um, that a lot of, that is lost on a lot of people. And, um, she, you know, my profile now is a very, to quote a Strood, neutered version of what it was previously. For two years, I walked around with a profile and I think that, um, that, given that we're with a pretty music-savvy crowd that a lot of people in here will um, appreciate this. But um, in addition, you know, to to my Barbie avatar, I have a love of all things ghetto fabulous. And um, my profile for the first two years of my second life was ripped from a Ja Rule song 
Um, and it said, I spit mad game, can you? And then it had the words down ass bitch written and like the definition as a woman that can drink a 40, pop a cap in someone's ass when necessary, a female that will rob a bank without a mask and smoke cigarettes with her left hand while acting as the getaway driver, but she won't post bail because she'll be sitting next to your trick ass. And, um, <laughs> and my whole opinion on that was, if you've, and if you've ever heard the song, you know that it's about that crazy bitch who gets totally pissed off at him and, you know, keys up his car and, and all this crazy shit. But, you know, she's still down to roll on the, um, she's still down for the drive-by they got to do later and she'll never snitch him out to the cops. She is, you know, she is there for him through and through and he knows that he can go back to that bank over and over again because she's loyal and um, and she's going to be there for him no matter what. And so my writing, that was very much my way of saying um, that if you're my friend, I'm going to totally be there for you, um, albeit in ghetto. Um, and and my whole my whole attitude was... If people can't see past their own cultural um, ideas about the verbiage or rap music or whatever to grasp the meaning that that's what that says, that they weren't people that I really probably wanted to talk to in the first place. But um, I started having a really bad reaction Um and it was to the extent that people would be like, you know, why do you call yourself a bitch in your profile? And it wasn't very much like, oh, I'm the queen bitch. I'm here to cause drama. It was in this very kind of like, I'm here for you sort of way. And it was, you know, why don't you tell people what a nice person you are? And I would jokingly <laughs> say, oh, should I write that I'm, you know, that I'm an incredible woman and very kind hearted in my profile? Do you think that's what I should write? <laughs> um, but I would continuously get this criticism that, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't refer to myself that way in my profile and that it was a problem. And I replaced it with something after a conversation with one of my friends who I do respect. She told me that, um, she goes, I think, and she's Australian. So I was, I was kind of convinced at that point that, you know, some of the cultural nuances of it were lost on her, um, which I could appreciate. And, um, she told me that she goes, you know, I think people think you're like a gangster. And I, and the conversation we had led me to believe that it was very much associated with being kind of low rent or low class or unintelligent, even worse. Um, and after having a discussion with her, I replaced it with something totally horrible and way neutered and that I didn't identify with at all. And I hated it and I hated my profile and I didn't want anything to do with it. And, um, and then I replaced it with what I have now, which is significantly more neutered than down ass bitch, but, um, you know, still a little bit more me. Um, but I, I found that the fear of me being, um, judged or, or deemed unintelligent based on, um, based on my written word was much more powerful than any argument that anyone had ever advanced to me, um, about being judged based on my, you know, visual, the visual appearance of my avatar. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, my, the idea about my profile was, you know, you need to read between the lines. You need to open the book before you judge it. Um, and people who know me well know that my profile is 
really kind of a giant troll on um, everyone in Second Life who judges me as some kind of hypersexual idiot. Um, all, you know, all the way from the kind of serendipitous real life pick that is there um, up to and including, you know, some very uh, graphic chat I include in my profile pics that leads you to believe I um, spend most of my time having pixel sex with people. Um, incidentally, the comments in those pics, those profile pics, are all from men that I know, but men that were, um, that I've known for a long time and know a lot about me and, uh, we're very much in on the joke that, um, everybody thinks I'm some kind of, you know, sex fiend in Second Life and there's nothing really more to me. So they were more than happy to ham it up for purposes of being in my profile. And the only thing about those profile pics that would lead you to thinking I might be a little bit more intelligent than you thought is the use of a particular word, which is actually um, legal jargon. And if you um, if you look at that, you'll realize that to even use that word, there's, you know, there's a little bit more going on there. Um, so yeah. that was like, how this, um, that was how this evolved. Though, your profile is how people get to know you. Like if they see the things you write and chat and think you seem interesting, then the first thing I do is click on someone's profile. And so many people now put really unfriendly shit in their profile. Like, uh, no drama and all their which of course means that they drama. die every four months in a fire of drama and <laughs> yeah. this is their current avatar or you know just unfriendly things um about you know you shouldn't talk to me and i'm gonna um log all of your ims and i'll post whatever you say and it's just like um okay well then i guess i won't talk to you and my profile I'm a I'm a writer in real life and I could I've never been able to figure out what to put in my profile I just put quotes from other people on everything because I have no idea what to say about my avatar which is really sad it means I have a really poor literary persona I suppose or that I think everyone else could sum me up much better than I can sum up myself. Or that it's just pretty hard to write autobiographically or directly about yourself and say this is who I am without coming off as, you know, kind of yeah, I can't an egotistical bastard. I'm so awesome. I have to wait for one of you guys to say it. And then I'll quote it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also interesting if you look at the way people use quotes in their profile. They, um, I find that most people use quotes in their Second Life profile in a couple of different ways. One of them is, look at all the great stuff people have said about me. Another one is, look at all the, quote, SL celebrities that, that I know that are in my life. They're quoted in my profile. And I think that's, you know, my whole, my, the quotes in my profile are also kind of a swipe at that, you know. Yeah. At the this is going to be the last segment we talk, um, and this ended up being really long, so thank you for being patient and staying to everyone. And the last topic to cover is the person behind the avatar and the first life tab. Um, so I am super open with my first life and I post pictures and links to all of my social networks and stuff. So if you're obsessed with me, you can stalk me all over the internet and shy. You're the opposite. You're very, very protective about your first life. Um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily any more protective than I am, you know, in, I mean, I don't do Facebook as my real self. 
I don't do social network. I mean, I belong to a profession that is very much, you know, it's very, you know, you're supposed to keep your cell phone number a secret. You don't, um, you don't, um, you're, you know, and then, I mean, adding to that, I'm pretty paranoid about, you know, the man coming for me, you know, as though I'm, you know, the threat, the biggest threat to the man. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I just don't, I'm not a big fan of the social networking and sharing every intimate detail about myself with everyone I've gone to school with since the second grade and everyone I've met in between up to and including, you know, friends, professors, professional colleagues, um, you know, family, online acquaintances, whoever, you know, whoever it is. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, you know, in my private life, I'm very protective of that information as well. There are plenty of people, I mean, I won't say plenty, but there are a number of people here who know me, you know, well enough to knock on my front door and I'm okay with that um I'm okay with um with them knowing the details of my life because I'm comfortable with them and who they are and I know you know a significant amount of of information about them as, as well um I just um but yeah I do I mean I definitely in second life because I feel like you know there are quite a few loose cannons <laughs> running around here and I'm not, you know, I, I, and I, and you know, it's, it, you know, the graduate school that I went to, there was a huge scandal after, um, after, um, I graduated and we, you know, it was such a big scandal that we even heard about it. Um, there were, um, you know, people were, it was, it was social networking, um, had become really, really big at this point. And um, a number of students had posted pictures of themselves on MySpace and Facebook, you know, drinking and acting ridiculous. Um, And it was to the extent that firms coming on campus to do um, interviews for a a pretty significant um, hiring process were looking at people's uh, profiles online and all of this data was public and the firms had seen them you know, pictures of them, you know, totally drunk with their face in the, you know, in the ditch or whatever, (laughs) and contacted the school, um, you know, saying, look, um, we really like this person, and they were at the top of their class, but, you know, we're not going to interview them now, because we saw pictures of them, you know, with, you know, their, you know, puking in a toilet on Facebook, or whatever. So, I think that, um, I... You know, because of all that, I I automatically am very, very conscious of that information and what is about me online. Um, So I don't think it's, it's just not a lot different for me in Second Life, though I do have to say I'm pretty closeted with um, a lot of my real life professional colleagues about um, the existence of Cheyenne or my online identity until they fully disclose theirs. And I have adequately had time to Google and fully check out their online activities through my um, substantial, (laughs) my substantial list of sites that reveal um, all kinds of information about people who play online. So the opposite that I tell inappropriate people in my first life all the time that I play second life. Like I tried to talk Ben Gibbard from death cab for cutie into joining second life for a while. Thought he might do it too, but you know, these things never work out. Um, I, I don't just tell people I do second life in my real life. I try to get them to do it too and give it a chance. Most of them (laughs) don't. They all think that it's like my quirky little, that's the quirky little thing that you do, you know, like my little eccentricity, I suppose. Yes, it's all the injunctions, all the, you know, <laughs> the stalking. 
Yeah, I definitely am not. And, and particularly, you know, I mean, there's a handful of stories I have told on my blog that are pretty provocative. Some of them are directly torn out of real life, and some of them are kind of halfway torn out of real life. And I'm not exactly prepared for a lot of people to pick those up and be like, so, you know, what happened here? Who's this about? Um, so, um... So yeah, I'm, you know, I mean, I feel like, I feel like, um, Second Life is kind of a chance for me to, you know, not be as uptight as, um, my professional colleagues Someone are. Someone else who's exploring this, who we've both been following, is an artist named Gracie Kendall, and I'm copying for you guys, um, her blog. She's doing an art performance piece where she's, um exploring her relationship with her avatar and she's been turning herself into her avatar and her avatar into herself to the extent where um she dyed her hair blonde and got face piercings and things to look more like her avatar and recently did um a big art exhibit with um so obviously her avatar's body shape and her real life body shape are very different and she did a big exhibit where they all lined up and were different iterations of, you know, her body shape. And I think this idea of having a conversation with your avatar as if it's a different person is really interesting. Do you ever feel that, Shy, like a detachment from your avatar as if it's not really you? Well, it, it, that's important. That's interesting because on, on one hand, I feel like she definitely is a part of me. Like, I feel very, very much that I identify with her. Um... But there definitely is a sometimes like a disconnect. Like I, I somehow want to convey all of the things that my, that my, you know, that my very conservative physical presence or, um, you know, my, my, my whole show in real life would, you know, somehow impress or convey to this person. You know, when it's a serious situation, um, you know, someone's come to me for advice or help on, you know, a, a, a pretty real life serious issue or um, it's, you know, a conversation where I want to be taken seriously. I feel like I very much, you know, almost want to change hats and, and say, you know, look, you know, you need to look at me for a minute. I need your attention and, and they kind of need to absorb, you know, what they otherwise might absorb from me in in my real life. Um, and then there is kind of a disconnect sometimes. Sometimes I think, you know, well, you know, how, you know, what, what, what would people say or think if, um, you know, I, I, you know, I posted all of my personal information like you have in their profile. Would I be, you know, would I be rebuked for having an avatar that's different, you know, even more to the extent than I already am? Or, um, you know, what, what would the consequences of that be? Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely at some point a disconnect and talking about Gracie Kendall's work. And for those of you who don't know, it's, um, graciekendall.wordpress.com is her blog. And that's G-R-A-C-I-E Kendall one in one L. I've, have followed her work for a long time and I love the way she writes about very real issues that we struggle with here, particularly the, you know, the, the, the way that one views their own body and the issues that we all have. Um, you know, like, like I feel a lot of them are, you know, definitely I mean, she's a woman. So like women's issues that she talks about through this conversation she has with her 
avatar about, you know, her life and how things are going and, you know, kind of the the beating up of oneself that a lot of us engage in and the, you know, the the, the issues we have with primarily our physical appearance and how that then, you know, plays into what we do um, when we come here. And if you, you know, if you haven't checked it out, I definitely think it's, it's an outstanding read. And I think she, you know, I, I think it's there. It serves, um, it serves to talk about a lot of the issues For we've sure. discussed I think today. She engages in some conversations that reading them uh, made me really uncomfortable, just like uh, the detachment and the sort of powerfulness she gets from her avatar, who is a world famous artist versus what her real life is like or what she thinks of herself really versus what she thinks of uh, the attractiveness of her avatar. And that makes me think that I literally hadn't thought of this until just right now, but a part of why my avatar looks the way it does is because I think it would be a little bit embarrassing for people to know what I look like in real life and know that I play second life to find my avatar, avatar more attractive than my actual person. Like there's something about that that just strikes me as being a little bit sad. One of the things I, I definitely relate to what you're saying there about, you know, what, because, I mean, my avatar requires, you know, substantial bit of explanation. You know, we've gone into it here. I mean, most people don't have the benefit of ever hearing any of that, of hearing that, you know, this this is what this avatar means to me on, you know, some socially important issues and, and is kind of a, you know, a, you know, a fuck you to a lot of people, um, for lack of a better term. But one of the things I do want to talk about before we entirely leave the subject, because I feel like we missed this in the whole um, real-life profile discussion, but I feel like it's kind of instructive here, is um, you reveal a lot of information about who you are in real life in your profile. Um, I know how, I know, I know how people talk and ask about the real me, I'm wondering if that disclosure information in your profile makes people more curious, if, if that disclosure in and of itself kind of makes people feel like they're entitled to more information about the real you and who you are and what you do and how people react to the fact that you post all of this information there. Um, a few people will use it to start conversations with me, mostly people I don't know. Um, and I think it's cool. Like, I like it because it um, gives me an idea of what they're interested in. It makes it easier for me to talk to them when they're people that I don't know. Um, but I don't really, I've never had anything that I felt uncomfortable with happen. Like, no one's ever gotten involved in my other social networks to um, an extent that makes me uncomfortable. Everybody's really appropriate about it, about that, using that knowledge. Um, and I think to a degree it has to do with that. I just don't, I, there's not a lot of depth to me beyond what I present to you in second life. This is pretty much it. Um, so <laughs> I don't have a lot to hide, you know? Um, I think that makes a difference. It's interesting. A lot of people, um, in my experience with this avatar and what's disclosed in my, real life picture or in my, my real life profile, like my real life portion of my profile. Um, I, I get, a, you know, sometimes I get people that, you know, ask, do you look like Cheyenne in real life seriously? And I, you know, quickly inform them that Cheyenne would have to be double jointed just to walk if she were a real person. 
Um, and beyond that, I don't acknowledge those requests very often. Um, but I find that people, once they start talking to me and get to know me, are very curious about what I look like and what, you know, what I do in my real life and what, um, you know, what, how second life plays into that. And, you know, depending on what relationship it is, I'm, you know, willing to divulge, you know, some information. I was, you know, somebody I'm very close to, they know, you know, usually a lot. Um, but, um, but honestly, I don't get, I don't get the kind of inquiries that I, thought I would have gotten about, you know, like kind of a, a, a like, like, a, like a right to know, like, this is how you present yourself in second life. I have a right, therefore I have, I'm entitled and have a right to know um, more about the person you are um, behind that avatar. It's, I feel like it's slowed down in recent years and it's not, you know, in the last year, especially. Um, but even before that, it wasn't to the degree that I expected that it would. And I'm not sure what exactly plays into, into that. I mean, perhaps I'm not very interesting or perhaps people have made their own conclusions about what I look like based on how my avatar appears, which is what I suspect is going on. Or perhaps people Um, have gotten used to the idea of avatars and really understand the concept that it's, um, a made up construct. It's not representative of anything other than, you know, an avatar. And I think I think a lot of the people I primarily associate with are fall into that category because a lot of them are very established content creators who this is not their first um, MMO RPG, and they are you know they're well aware that people wear avatars that are very different and that sure. um, you know people have agendas and so forth. But I was thinking um, with respect to your profile that people might feel more entitled to know that information and be a little bit more. Um, greedy in asking for the disclosure of information because it seems, you know, at face that you do disclose uh, a fair amount of information. I would think that from that, a lot of people would probably get the idea that they were um, entitled to that information and kind of push you to get it. No, I've never felt that. I mean, I don't let people push me anyway. I just tell them that we're done talking now. But no, not really. And I'm kind of surprised as well. And whenever I joined... Second Life, um, one of the girls that I was working on the virtual world for my job with was a longtime Second Life citizen, and she really helped me out with learning how to do Second Life and explaining the world. And she owned a big art gallery in World, and she was extremely protective of her identity. Like, I've never known anyone to be as protective. And she told me it was because uh, she'd had several people stalk her like to the point where they were finding out um, her real life information and where she lived. And it seemed to happen to her over and over again, which I found interesting when I saw her avatar, because it was not even human looking. Um, Something about her persona just really attracted people to her. And she was shocked by how much I would tell people in second life about who I was and what I was doing here. Um, So I know it can go bad, and I guess it could, but I just don't imagine that happening. I guess it still could, but I just, I don't imagine myself as a victim, I suppose. And SS, I'm, we all know that you'll never meet anyone in person, so don't even pretend. I won't address the issue of stalkers here, except to say that I've had a particularly virulent one. Um and, um, yeah, it can definitely go bad, which I think just kind of reinforces my whole idea about, you know, keeping that information separate. So, yeah, I can see how some experiences with that would drive someone 
to keep their information private. Well, thank you so much, Shai, for doing this. It was really fun. And thanks to everyone for coming. I'm glad. I enjoyed it a street. And I hope we do it again. Um, I think we will. I think we're going to have a debate about if hipsters actually exist or if this is a made-up marketing Oh, concept. you've been fighting and I am about this. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to try and do these podcast discussions maybe every other week on Sundays. And I'm open to anyone who'd like to do one with me, any topic that you like. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. So feel free to reach out. And thanks for coming. Thank you, guys.